Um, I want to ask if any of us uh, happen to have any questions, um, you can feel free to uh, state it out loud. Um, you can ask me, you can type it in the chat here. Um, or there's also an option to private message me here in this chat in case you want to remain anonymous. Uh, <clears throat> but I like to use this time um, very briefly um, to answer anyone's questions, theological, practical, uh, biblical. So um, don't hesitate if you have any. No one? Don't be shy. No question is a stupid question. Okay. Yeah, so no no question is a dumb question. So don't don't feel uh um embarrassed or Anyone? No? Okay, it says, On the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say that? What does that mean? So what Jesus is doing, he's actually fulfilling Psalm 22. So he's actually reciting that psalm. Um, When David says, and, and if you want to go back and check later, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And within, and so those who were crucifying him knew what psalm he was citing because later in that verse, in that passage, it says, Dogs surround me, they cast lots for my garments. Uh, you know, not one of my bones have been broken. And so not one of his bones were broken. And they were they were casting lots for his garments, and so those who were surrounding nearby knew what. Now there were Romans, so um, they may not have known, but the Jews certainly did. Okay, and so that's that's what he's doing. Um, yeah. Um, so here's a question. They said. How can true Christian? How can true Christian be possessed by the devil? My answer is: True Christian cannot be possessed by the devil because he's possessed by Jesus Christ. However, many true Christians, there are some areas where they are demonized, where they are. Wait, what? Oh, so you're quoting Derek Prince? Oh, true or false? Where they are demonized, or where they are afflicted or affected by demons well i would say this in Derek prince does point out because i've read in one of his books and i think it's certainly true is that the the, there is no word uh in the greek language that that translates to the english that actually come to where we arrive to the word possession um the the correct word is demonization 
And so in that sense, um, Christians can be influenced by demons. And if they continue to yield to demonic temptation, um, they're not going to be looking like more like Christ. And, and so, the, so their, their conformity to the image of Christ is going to look less and less. And so in that sense, their character is being influenced by demons. If, if that makes sense. So similar to like, um, the case of Peter, right? Uh, he was allured by the devil to hopefully prevent Jesus from dying on the cross. Okay. And so what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. So he was influenced by demonic pressure. Okay. Um, so I, w- I would say in that sense, um, you you can be influenced. And it, it, here's another thing, too. You can be oppressed because no one as a Christian is exempt from um, the, the afflictions of the devil. Okay, in Revelation, uh, there is clearly a case where um certain christians are thrown in prison it says the devil will throw you into prison right so they in that sense were oppressed okay it was it was physical but it was it wasn't spiritual it could have overlapped with the spiritual but it was a physical oppression um in the truest sense of the word they were you know imprisoned and they were oppressed um but i think in terms of like complete control like you see in the case of the lost um i personally don't believe that um i think that the holy spirit ultimately inhabits us but regardless um i i don't all i would say this in in a very practical sense um do all that you can to remain pure you know uh to avoid any form of temptation or to avoid any form of uh anything that would give the devil more influence in your life so you live a pure life live a life holy unto the lord um now okay so all right guys well we're going to take some more questions at the end but um so if you have any more or if, if there's anything that you um, um, want to ask at the end, feel free to, okay? But at this time, I want to ask that we get our Bibles. And um, I want to read some passage of uh, a scripture. And we will be looking at 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn there, um, do turn to 1 Corinthians. When you have it, say amen or type amen in the chat. Amen. Is it it? first corinthians chapter one or just oh i'm sorry yeah first corinthians chapter five verse one okay thank you 
And I want to say in, uh, with some preliminary words, I want to say in advance, um, I was kind of wrestling over this because I, it's not that I shy away from speaking biblical truth, um, but you would hope that some messages are more hopeful. But as I was praying, um, the Lord continued to direct my attention to this text and um i kept praying and praying and so um it was just unash- i just could not shake uh the fact that lord continued to direct my attention here so this is where we're at and and i wanted to say too paul tells timothy he says for the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine but have itching ears they will heap up for themselves false teachers that will feed them feed them what they want to hear now notice the verb endure there will come a time when men will not endure that so as the church of jesus christ when we're listening to the word of god there is a it is required that we sometimes endure messages that we don't want to hear and not not every not every message is intended for edification in in the sense of comfort Sometimes messages will be very convicting. It will hurt us. It will pain our hearts. It will cause distress. Not, not, not in the fleshly sort of way, but in your heart. Because you know you need to get things right in your life. You know you need to get things right in your life. So I come... Uh, to provide biblical truth, the hammer of God's word. As Jeremiah says, he says, it says, fire shut up in my bones. And even when he intended not to speak, he said, I couldn't refrain. I had to open my lips. And I have been called of God. I have not been called by men. <clears throat> Paul the apostle was ma- made it very clear. He says, Paul, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he says, uh, called neither by men nor for men, but by Jesus Christ. And while I have not had a road to Damascus experience, I can, f- for, I can say for certain, the Lord Jesus has called me to proclaim his word, undoubtedly. And so today, I desire to submit to you biblical truth. It, more than just giving an exposition, I want to submit to you that Christ that God has every intention on speaking to you. Every intention on in speaking to you. And so I would not be surprised if the Lord speaks to us um, as he often does prophetically. And I want to read this passage right here. It says, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. says, For our ministry does not arise from deceit or ulterior motives or trickery. Instead, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, not in order to please men, but God who examines our hearts. So we speak as men approved by God, because there are those who are behind pulpits or disapproved. They're disqualified. And they write books about, they write books and entitle them unqualified. you don't know what I'm talking about, look them up. 
but there are some who are unqualified, disqualified. But we pre- we preach as men approved by God who are qualified. And so why do I mention this? Because this is not just simply a Bible study, as if we're studying some ancient text for literature. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit. It says nothing in all of creation is hidden from the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so even as I proclaim, we are all in subjection to the, to the all-seeing and all-examining eyes of Jesus Christ, whose eyes burn as fire. His eyes burn as fire. Even now, I can sense the presence of God among us. God is among those uh, who proclaim his word in all purity and power. That's what I desire. That's what I long for, is for Christ to dwell among us, to dwell among his people. So at this moment, I I do want to pray. Father, I just come before you, Lord, and I ask, God, that you would dwell among us, O Lord. Father, I pray that by by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come, that you would grant me unction, O Lord. Father, that you would grant me power from on high, O God. Father, I ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would speak to your people. I pray that you, O Lord, would eliminate all distractions. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bring low and subdue every single attack, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would empower me as your servant, O Lord, like your word says in Isaiah chapter 6. Who will go? And Isaiah the prophet exclaims and he responds, Here am I, O Lord, send me. That I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I am undone, for I have seen the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filling the temple. So, Father, I pray today that we would see a similar vision. Father, I pray, O God, that we would get more vision from you, from the Holy Spirit, that you would grant us, O Lord, more than the impartation of information, but, Lord, life-transforming revelation. God, I pray that you would convict by your Holy Spirit. Your word says that your Holy Spirit is coming to the world to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. So, Father, I pray, O oh Lord, but also in love, Lord, I pray that even in the conviction of sin, that your Holy Spirit will come alongside and confirm the hearts to uh, confirm to the hearts of your people, Lord, that you love them and that there is hope in Christ. Oh, Lord, you, your word says that you cast down, but your hands also make whole. Oh, Lord, but we know that the devil just wants to lift, uh, wants to lift up to cast us down. You want to cast us down to lift us up. So, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for unction. <clears throat> I pray for your anointing. I pray for your indisputable power, your matchless power resurrection power, holy power, Father, to transform lives. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, may no heart, O Lord, be resistant to the word that will be submitted today. Father, I pray that our lives will be changed, that we will not go back out and live the same way, Lord, 
Oh, Father, I pray that you would give me clarity, that you help me to speak with clarity. You help me to speak, Lord, as Peter says, the very oracles of God. Lord, I don't want it to be said, Lord, at the end of this meeting that uh, he's a great speaker. I want it to be said that God has spoken. God has spoken to me personally. I want it to be said that, oh, Lord. Lord, I pray that all attention would be removed from me, Lord, and all our eyes would be fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, I pray that our eyes would be fixated on you as the captain and the pioneer of our faith. Infuse us with faith. Endue us with faith. That we would walk by faith and not by sight. We would not lean on our own understanding. We would lean on yours. We would not rely on our own power. We would rely on yours. Lord, break us if necessary. Make us weak if necessary. Lord, um, cause us to be perplexed if necessary. Father, that the manifest power of your glory would be demonstrated in our lives and it would be evident that we, Lord, survive not on the results of our own merit and strength, but on yours. That you, as a consequence, would receive glory. Father, I pray that you would get glory from our lives. That Christ would look more clear in our, in, 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 in our hearts and in our lives, in our conduct, in our speech, in our values, in what we cherish and what we spend time on. Lord, I pray, break us of our own image and break in our minds, Lord, the false images that we have of you. Oh, God. Oh, refine us, purify us, purify us, purify us. I pray for deep repentance. I pray. For deep repentance. Oh God. And I pray none of us Lord. Will be tempted to leave. If this message is too hard. In Jesus mighty name I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not to rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his fle- of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Uh, leave your Bibles there because we're not done. We're going to continue to read. <laughs> But I want to stop and offer commentary to this um, and give you a little bit of a background, contextual background. So what's going on 
is this man is committing an incestuous relationship. <clears throat> he has, um, to put it mildly, his, his stepmom. And as Paul notes, he says, this sort of stuff even go, is not even going on among pagans. In other words, they don't even tolerate this sort of conduct. If it wasn't, an, if, if, if the standard of Christ was too much, then, boy, you are in some deep trouble because you don't even meet the standard of the world. They consider your actions repulsive. They consider your actions impure. They consider it. Oh, how often are we shamed by even some moral atheists? And when I say moral, I'm not saying that they are pure, but in some cases, their conduct is greater than that, even of the church. Well, in any case, this man, he is living a sexually impure life, even if it did meet, even if it did not fall short of the standard of the world. Ultimately, Christ is our standard. He is the light of the world. He is the beacon. He is one far greater than Moses, far superior to angels. And it is his conduct, his character, his purity of life that we ultimately follow. We say very often, he says, we say, what would Jesus do? It, it tends to me. It seems to me that that's only a convenient phrase for when uh, we're asking for mercy on our lives, and no, undoubtedly Jesus extends mercy to us. But there's many other things that we're not prepared to ask that question to, like praying all night, tasting the bitter cup of the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, when He prayed three times an hour each. There's times where we flip over table, where he flipped over tables and for zeal for his father's house consumed him. When was the last time you've seen that? When these joke pastors are making a mockery of God by their business. They capitalize on Christianity and make it a business. When was the last time you've seen tables turned over in their business like churches? You don't see it. Because I'm prepared to say that we're not so much like Jesus as we think we are. And there's many other things he did. You know, not exclude the miraculous. We don't live lives miraculous like him either. But I'm talking with respect to the moral integrity, purity, compassion, love, mercy, zeal. We live in a day and hour we emphasize too much on compassion, as biblical as that is. Where's the zeal in the house? Where is truth? It's slain in the streets. There's often a famine of the word of God, as it was prophesied in one of the minor prophets. But here's what's going on. He, they're, they're, they're tolerating. In fact, they're not only tolerating, they're arrogant of what is actually going on. They're parading it. They're parading it. You know, it's like today, one of the most grievous things that I've seen is that there are pastors that will preach a message, and I've seen it. And then they go back and they watch things that are a mockery of God with, with uh, uh, promiscuity, with, with uh, uh, almost near nudity. 
thing uh, things that are a mockery of God that blaspheme him? Where are we at? Are we watching those things that God hates? Are we listening to music that God hates? You might say no, but is that the God of your image in your own mind or is that the God of the scriptures? God says he hates divorce. Are you watching a bunch of junk and filth that parades and glorifies divorce? We can't turn our spirituality on and off like a light switch. We ought not to have a compartmentalized Christianity where we restrict our holy conduct to church and fake and fuel every and fool everybody save God. We are to be holy at all times. You never clock out or punch out. It's overtime. 24/7. But now so I want to make it clear that it's not simply a man or a woman that's struggling here. They have become proud about what they're doing. They've become proud. In fact, it has gotten to the point to where Paul says, you need to kick this person out of the church. <clears throat> and as we read in Matthew 18, look at what Paul says here. He says, for though absent in body, I'm present in spirit. Some people have butchered this phrase. They don't know what it means, and I don't blame them. It kind of sounds weird. It's obscure. And unless you understand what parallels to it, you might be, you know, tempted to think that it means something other than it does. Like Paul is traveling by his spirit or something. And if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. So what do we have here? He says, though I'm absent with you, I'm with you in spirit. And I am, I'm telling you that I've made a pronouncement on judgment of judgment on this person. <clears throat> okay, so where do we find that? We find that actually in Matthew chapter 18. And this is what the Lord Jesus gives as a protocol for sinning people in the church. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two uh, others along with you, and every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am among them. So this is what Paul's saying, I'm among you. In this pronouncement of judgment to excommunicate this person from the church, you have come in agreement, and I've come in agreement as well. And what he's talking about there, loosing and binding, is that the apostles have the, this was re- like a, a Judaic a language to describe one's authority. One's authority. And so Paul is exercising his authority 
with regards to excommunicating this man out of the church because this has come to the place where it's not just a one-on-one thing or two or three witness thing. This has to come to the church because he's continuing the sin and he's unrepentant for it. That's why he says, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. What's power? comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means also ability, power, or might. So Paul's ability or his authority or his power was given and conferred by Christ legitimately to kick him out. It says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So what do we take note of this? That it's remedial as well. So it isn't intended to for condemnation but rather transformation through the destruction of his flesh, whatever they, that might mean. I don't know if he, that from that point, will be then afflicted by the devil in his flesh. But all we know is that he's now come out of the authority and the, the protection and the umbrella of the church, <clears throat> and that they were regard, to regard him as a tax collector. In other words, we are no longer to address you as brother. Because your lifestyle is not demonstrating that you are one. Even though they had accepted him, acknowledged him as one. And so what what might the Lord permit the devil to do in our life for the destruction of our flesh? There's perhaps some things that we're trying to save. And we're trying to pray against. Meanwhile, the sovereign Lord has orchestrated and appointed these things into your life to humble you. For remedial purposes, to redeem you. Not to say that you are not previously redeemed by his blood. But for the fact that you have, Christ demands return for the investment that he's made on your life. You have no rights of your own. I have no rights of my own. I do not call the shots in my life. I do not call the shots in my life, neither do you. You have been purchased by the blood of Christ. You have been redeemed, not by the ways, the feudal ways of your ancestors and forefathers, as Peter says, but by the precious blood of the Lamb that is more precious than gold. Says your boasting is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So again, they're boasting. They're arrogant about this. They're proud about it. What are we proud and boasting about today? Are we boasting about the very things that placed Jesus on the cross? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. <clears throat> so where do we, we, we find that here, let me just read it really quickly in Exodus in chapter 12, verse 21 through 28. 
Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to the clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door, will not allow the destroyer to enter into your houses to strike you. You shall observe the right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, and the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So number one, you know, we we get God so wrong and his character so wrong, the Lord still strikes people down today. I believe with all my heart that God will strike down our enemies. You know, David says he's praised in the Psalms, and I think in some occasions it's appropriate. May may they fall by their own snares. May their counsels become confounded. May it turn back to them. But in but the point though here is I cite this in Exodus. Because the Lord permitted for the angel of death to pass over the houses of God's people. Some of us should have been dead. Some of us should have received the condemnation of the Lord. We're not playing games here. We're we're talking about an angel of death. The Lord has spared our lives. He has spared not only our lives physically, but he has granted us everlasting life. We pass from death unto life. The Passover lamb has been sacrificed. He has delivered us from the land of Egypt. He called us as his own. We were in bondage. We were imprisoned. We were incarcerated by Pharaoh's mighty hand until the Lord took it and snapped it and said, these are my people. Let them go. And as we had then been placed into our homes, we, which would symbolize belonging, acceptance, and, 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 and protection, the Lord did not allow us to taste death, but it had struck the Egyptians. <clears throat> and so Paul is saying here, cleanse out the old leaven uh, that you may, that, uh, of the, uh, hold on. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are in leaven. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Sacrificed. Recording in progress. Christ has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate that festival. Now remember Ray Comfort, he talked about how one time he was going on a trip and he was going into like, he was on a bus and then there was these narrow roads and he thought that the bus was going to go off the cliff, but it needed to make a sharp turn. And so in in a matter of seconds, he went from gasping, like I'm going to die 
to praise God, I'm alive. Well, that's what happened in our case. We didn't receive the, the just sentence of God's condemnation. And therefore, as a result of Christ, our Passover lamb, who, who did not suffer for the angel of death to meet our home, let us therefore celebrate with the sincerity of the bread of truth. Not malice, not corruption, not those ungodly sensual soap operas, novellas. You know, that was, that was prophetic for someone. One of you watched novellas, and the Lord has told you to stop watching that film. We're talking about holiness here. And he says, look, what I love about this too, it says, cleanse out the old leaven. He's talking about our conduct. And in context, he's also talking about that unrighteous person. Take him out too. Because bad company corrupts good characters. He says, that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. So he's saying you are unleavened. You are pure by virtue of Christ's death on the cross and his shed blood for your sins, who has washed you, has purified you. Therefore, live in the manner of that identity that you currently possess. We don't live righteous in order to become holy. Rather, Christ make us holy. Therefore, live holy. Right? Christ has considered us, reckoned us righteous and pure. Therefore, live pure. Amen? Amen. 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 Like it says in... in, in, in like it says in... in, in, in In uh, Matthew, this is what Jesus says. Excuse me. Yeah, Matthew 26, verse 26. But his master answered him. No, I'm reading 25. My apologies. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he gave it, given thanks, he gave it, and had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. <clears throat> so this Passover... Jesus, at the uh, uh, almost at the time of his death, he 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 tells them, "Eat of this, this bread, the sort of bread that that Paul says uh, we are to partake of, the bread of sincerity and truth, and also the bread of Christ's broken body for our sins." 
And our consumption of this bread and our drinking of the blood is a signification. It signifies that we've entered into covenant with the Lord Jesus. We have now been married to God. Therefore, if we have been married to him, let us not live as adulterous lives. As those who are given to sexual immorality in the church. And you know what? Some of you might say, you know, I'm not living sexually immoral lives. But nonetheless, you may, you may be living a, a, an immoral life nonetheless in some area. It says in Jeremiah, it says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the, 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 the fountain of living waters. They've hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. There are many churches today that have hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That's why they find more joy in entertainment than they do in Christ. Because they're an adultery of the Lord. I said, that's a bit too harsh. You know what? what? Was it too harsh when you were getting drunk in the world and when you were out in those clubs? Was it too much in the world when you were getting smacked every day off pills or, or high off of the drugs that you were committed to? You didn't care about the sacrifices that came as a result of your commitment to that. But we serve the living Christ. We serve the living God whose power is far greater than cocaine, far greater than meth, far greater than pornography, far greater than an infatuation with another, with the opposite or same sex. He has the power to break all that sin off of our lives. All of it, not some of it. That's why the the excuse is not valid. I cannot conquer this sin. No, you cannot, but Christ in us can. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Either it was a cute little lie in the Bible or it is truth. I can. I can. I can. Even the devil says I can't. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, I can do for Christ's sake and his name and with his power from on high. You know, you know, some of us, you know, in the world, we used to do what's called wake and bake. You'd get up early in the morning, you'd get high, right? Or some of us uh, who are uh, thizzers, you know, be up at the parties late at night, you doing all those drugs or whatever it was. Maybe you were all about success and you were grinding really hard to gain money. You're very successful or educated. But yet when it comes to the Bible, we don't educate ourselves. Oh, how there, we fall short of a transference from what we used to be to what we should be today. And I know this may sound hard, but I assure, I tell myself this all the time. I'm running, I'm running off a few, few hours of sleep and I have to get up every morning to pray at least an hour before I come on here. That's because I need God. I need God. I need Christ. I need him.
I need him. I need him. You need him. Like it says in, in Revelation of the Laodicean church, it says, they have said that they um, have increased in goods and have need of nothing. Oh, how sloppy we become when the Lord gives us all that we want and we've prayed for. We wanted that house he gave us. We wanted that husband, he gave it to us. We wanted that girlfriend or that wife, he gave it to us. And now we're lazy. We're slothful. And we say, in effect, it may not come from our lips, but we say of the Lord Jesus, I have need of nothing. Oh, how dangerous is that? But he says, you don't realize you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me, I salve, that they that thou may seest. So the irony is that that I was told that that was the primary place of importation that where they 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 sold eye salve because people would travel there from the desert and, and dirt would get in their eyes, so they needed eye salve to allow them to see. But though they though they sell this as a product, they themselves cannot see. How many pastors are saying, buy into my series for your self-growth or whatever? They claim they have the answers, but they themselves are blind. They have no no vision of the Lord. They have vision for church growth. They have vision for self-help. They have vision for self-esteem. I don't need self-esteem. I need to esteem Christ. And therein, if I esteem Christ... I will extrapolate my esteem because my identity is found in him and what he says of me, not in what I think of myself or what the world says that I am. You know, we're all going to grow old one day, you know, you know, and, and, and we're, we're going to look less than we were a year ago and a year before that, and a year before that, right? We're not going to look hands, more handsome or more pretty. We might as well kiss that goodbye and find beauty in Christ. So going back um, to 1 Corinthians, I wrote in verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world. So he's not saying, oh, become monks and go live in some monastery, away, isolated from the world, living a celibate life. You're some bachelor. <laughs> um, wait, wait, no, not bachelor. What's bachelor's married, right? Come on, someone no, me bachelor's, bachelor's single. Yeah, okay, bachelors okay. are always looking. Okay, I'll... <laughs> I was right. So you're some religious bachelor. <laughs> um, but he says, you know, don't, assist, don't associate with those who claim to be a brother or a sister who's living an immoral life. That doesn't mean struggle. Remember, you got to understand, keep this in its context. At this point, they... they 
that this man's sin has gotten to the point to where the church needs to kick him out. So obviously they're in association and fellowship with him up until that point. So just because you see someone that isn't sinlessly perfect, you don't go, aha, I can't associate with you anymore. There's a proper protocol. You bring that to them. So if they're living in adultery or if they're living in fornication, you bring that to their attention. And then there's a proper protocol, but it's a matter of them being unrepentant and not wanting to to repent. <clears throat> They're proud about it. And he doesn't even say don't even associate with the people of the world. He says you would have to go outside of the world to do that. But here's the thing. Don't take that also to be to interpret as I, I'm going to be buddy buddy with the people of the world. Some people have done some foolish and stupid things and they claim to be ministers going in drunken bars and preaching that's stupid i just don't see jesus doing that the drunkards came to him that might mess up some of our theology but the lord didn't do that he didn't go to some strip club and preach I'm talking about inside. I'm, I, it's one thing if I'm outside, the, you know, beyond, across the street and I'm preaching to them. But trying to go in and, like, have some altar call in there, I just think that's it's not wise. Because then you're going to be subject to ridicule. What are you doing in there in the first place? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Um. <clears throat> But anyways, he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. You know, there's some, there's some people you've outgrown that are holding you back or keeping you anchored to old ways of thinking. Old ways of living. And you got to you gotta kick that person out of your life. I've had, I had someone recently I had to kick out of my life. Because they were operating under control and manipulation and witchcraft. Not like actual spells sort of thing, but control is witchcraft. Because that's the purposes of witchcraft, to control. And so, but this person claimed to be a Christian. And so, no, I need spirit-filled people in my life. Not people who play games with God. So when Christ says, do not judge for with that measure. Yeah, so what Jesus is talking about there is presumptuous judgment. Judgment that isn't based on evidence. So, for example, say there's a sister singing at church. Ah, she just does that for herself. Ah, look at her. Oh, come on, you know. She just do that for herself, eh? (laughs) She's not really doing it for the Lord. That is presumptuous and unrighteous judgment. How do you know that? You don't. 
You're reading into things. But in this case, it was established. This was this was sin that was proven. And so they're calling it to attention. And, and so Paul says to judge those in the church. That doesn't mean be judgmental. That means you actually make judgments about their conduct and character in light of biblical truth. And so chapter 6, verse 1, it says, When one of you has a grievous grievance against one another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try, try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. So do you know that we will judge angels and we will judge the world? That's why Jesus says, he says, I will not be your, uh, I will not be your judge. He says, Moses, in whom you place your trust, will be your judge. You know, the interesting thing is we're reciting a lot of theologians and great uh, uh, revivalists and, and men of God in time past who will be our, who will judge us at the judgment. Who lived what we simply posted on Facebook or Instagram but failed to live up to. You know, I like one of the things Leonard Ravenhill said, he said, you know, he says, God forbid that that all my library and the books that I read will serve as a greater condemnation for me, for I have greater light and I've sinned against it. You know, one of my favorite quotes, quotes is that while the world sleeps in darkness, the church sleeps in the light. It's understandable if I'm sleeping at the dark time, you know. That's where we cuddle up in bed and maybe some of you turn on your night lights, drink a glass of cozy milk and put on your little beanie. <laughs> With your, I don't know. I don't know what you guys wear. But the point, though, is that um, <clears throat> that we are to judge the world. We're to judge angels. Are we incompetent? Are we unable to make judgments among ourselves? Are we unable to settle disputes among ourselves? Are we unable to fellowship one with another because of our pride, because of arrogance, because of backbiting, jealousies, envies? You know, I, I've had this experience, sadly, because oftentimes I, in my entire walk, I've also always associated with older brothers and uh, sisters because um, I just didn't gravitate towards the youth because I felt they were too immature for me. <clears throat> and a lot of times people are intimidated. And I don't say this to both. It's just been my experience. And I say this with all humility. Some people have been intimidated by my growth. Because so I was serving the Lord less years than they. And they were not only older, but were saved longer. And they were intimidated by my growth. And they would say 
little remarks. They would say mocking remarks to me. Or it was hidden with, you, you, you know, the, the sort of thing where, uh, suppose, you know, a college student gets a bad grade and they worked hard for it and the teacher has it out for them. And then and the student comes in and says, um, um, you're going to get a good time. Right? What is he implying? What he's saying sounds good. Or, you know, today's going to be the best day of your life. So what it's, it's, it's deceptive. It, it really means something. So there were a lot of those sort of indirect statements that were hurled towards me. To undercut, to kick me down, to suppress And I want to say this, be careful of that, because you may be fighting against the Lord. And God will have no games in his house. So playing all that jealousy stuff, he's not going to permit for that to happen, especially when God wants to use a particular person. You better get out of the way or the Lord will move you out of the way. If you don't humble yourself, the Lord will humble you. And so stick to your calling. Stick to what the Lord wants you to do. Being open to criticism, constructive criticism is one thing. But when people are trying to undercut, cut you down, kick you out of the way, no, don't allow that. Don't permit that. Like Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Do not allow anyone despise you for your youth, but be an example in faith, life, and love, and impurity. Be an example. <clears throat> so verse 5, it says, I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, so that before unbelievers, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. I believe it grieves the heart every time the, the, the church needs to go to a secular court to issue a divorce. But you know what? There's forgiveness. There's restoration. There's redemption. God can redeem our sinful choices. I want that to be in view here. And even though we've made a mess of some of our lives, God can redeem, God can restore. We're closing up here. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the hope of verse in closing, verse 11. And such were some of you. So even though they are currently living fleshly lives, Paul says that was some of you. 
You're not demonstrating that that was past tense. He wasn't ignorant to what they were doing, but he said, nonetheless, this was what some of you were. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You were justified. You were declared innocent. You were declared not guilty. You were declared not condemned. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to read this verse really quickly. It says in Titus, says in titus chapter 3 verse 3 it says for we ourselves are once foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another but when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit whom he poured on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of life, of eternal life. So we were foolish. We were heartless. We were ruthless. We were addicts. And he says, but such were some of you. You've been washed by the Holy Spirit. He cleansed your heart. From those evil passions. But you know some of us. We fall right. We slide back in. It's a gradual process over time. It doesn't have. You know I've heard it said. You don't backslide overnight. And it's like. Some of us. Who do laundry. You need to wear clothes tomorrow. And you got packed for the day. You say, I don't want to wash clothes right now. That's how it can be in your walk. You got to wash your heart daily. Even when you're tired. Even when you're tired. Because the devil don't get tired and he will tempt you every day. He looks for every opportune time. He looks He looks to you when you're offended. And he'll creep in. When someone offends you and what he does, he's tried to uh, put a, 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 um, a root of bitterness in your heart. And you get nasty and cynical. He looks for those times when you're hurt. And you want to sulk in your emotions. You want to stoop down in what you feel. And you say, I'm too tired. I I can't continue. I'm tired of this forgive. I'm tired of forgiving. I'm tired. And God is speaking to some of you right now. And it's hard for you to receive this. I just feel. um, Like your heart is like dry ground that the water takes a long time to get to the bottom and in fact i know one of you right now speaking specifically for 
I'm not going to point you out, though. But you know. You got to open up your heart. There's a song that says, Forgive me once again. Cleanse me. Um, it's by Tim Minor. I would encourage you guys to listen to it. I really wish I had the gift of singing. Otherwise, I'd bless you all. <laughs> uh, but it says, forgive me. Once again, cleanse me. So I don't know why your mercy never dies. Forgive me. And the love of Jesus wants to come to your heart and begin to soften it. The trauma, the hurt, the people sinning against you and sinning against yourself. The Lord wants to come and he wants to mend your heart. He wants to open it. He says, here I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and dine with him. And he with me will fellowship. You can rest your head on my bosom. You can rest your head on my chest. And hear the divine heart of Jesus Christ beat. You can lay at his feet and worship the master. And therein will you find healing. But will you come? Jesus says, if any man thirst, he will drink. You'll be satisfied. It says in Isaiah, I believe in 55, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, drink of the water of life freely. Come, you who have no money, come buy and eat milk without price. I will show you the sure mercies of David. Are you without price? Are you without money today? Are you impoverished in your heart? Are you poor in spirit and have nothing to offer God? Come and you can drink freely. But he asks that you open up your heart and let your, open your hand and let those things go. Some of you, some of you are hurt because of what you had to let go. And who you may have to let go now. But you're you're going to forfeit Jesus for flesh. You not hear the Holy Spirit wooing you even now. You not sense the Spirit of God calling. You know, there's a song by Jason Upton that says, Come up here. Come up now, my beloved, my beloved, come up here, come up now, my beloved, my beloved. Will you come up? Even though you have fallen, will you come up? The Holy Spirit is calling you up. Come up where the Lord is. Come up where those temptations no longer have a lure on you and a grip on you. 
Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move on the hearts of your people. Lord, draw them. Lord, call them. I know you're doing a work in their hearts, Lord. You're doing surgery in their hearts. Or some have to give over, get over a fence. Some have to get over pain and hurt and trauma and sin and filth and shame and guilt. Regret. Lord, liberate your people, Father, I pray. Set your people free. Holy Spirit, come, Lord. I know it's a heavy word, a convicting word, but would you come with your love? Would you come with your sweet heart, O oh Lord? Your gentle hands. Would you make whole? Would you make whole again? Would you make whole again, Lord? You've washed some of our garments, but we've stained them. Like the prodigal son went into a distant country, left his father's home. Oh, Lord, bring bring in our hearts, God, our, our repentant heart that comes back home to the father. It's tired, tired of the old way of life. And as the father saw him at a distance, he had compassion on him ran to him and began to embrace him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to embrace your people even now with the Father's love. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I pray, God, have mercy on your people. Have grace upon your people. Administer your loving kindness. Give them hope, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray uh, for Isabel's heart. Father, uh, uh, for those, uh, for, for healing. Father, I pray that you soften that heart right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I pray no more hardness of heart. Lord God, may the water of your word seep deep down in that heart. Father, I pray for forgiveness to just pervade the heart. Holy Spirit, I pray for your joy. No more weir, no more wearisomeness. No more tiredness, no more exhaustion, O oh Lord, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you grant strength. And Father, I pray that you would, uh, uh, um, you would bring order and peace. Father, for those, Lord, uh, that has been uh, relational conflicts in um, Isabel's life, Father, I pray, Lord, for any relational conflicts that you bring peace. Yes, Lord. Jesus, mighty name. Jesus, mighty name. Lord of God. Hallelujah. Humble those people in her life. Humble, 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 Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I just pray for Sister Amir. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's your son writing this, Sister 
or if it's you writing for your mom. Okay. Father, I just pray for Sister Amir. Father, that you help her with sleep. Father, grant her peace, grant her rest, grant her strength. Father, we pray, Lord, to help her in her job. Father, I know she's doing a lot as a single mother. Father, would you answer her prayers? Lord, I see her on her knees, just crying to you, asking, Lord, when? Father, would you answer those prayers, mighty God? I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, strengthen our sister. <clears throat> Father, we pray, Lord, I pray for our Brother Manander, for protection, God. Father, I pray that you cut off every single old tie, Lord, and it would remain cut off like a severed umbilical cord. Father, I pray that he would permanently, O oh Lord, have a fixated mind, Lord God, on Christ. And Father, protect him, O oh Lord. For that people from his past will not enter back in. Confound and confuse his enemies. Salvation, Lord, for his family, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, I just I just pray for a general prayer, Lord, for everybody, God. Pray for peace, Lord, and joy and protection, God. Pray blessing over everybody, Lord, in this group, Father. I pray for your joy. I pray for your presence. I pray that you strengthen them, Lord. God, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, administer strength, administer your love. Oh, Father, I pray that today, Lord, that they would be lifted up in joy. Or let the redeem of the Lord say so. Let the, let the house of Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, that we would have been swallowed up. But thank you for deliverance. Thank you for protection. Thank you for joy. Thank you for liberation. Thank you for forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection, Lord. Thank you that you sit and inhabit eternity, Lord, and you're for us and you're not against us. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Anyone want to testify or give glory to God for what the Lord has done or spoken to you about? <clears throat> Anyone's uh, free to do so. I uh, just want to uh, talk about uh, recently in my life, like we just moved from New Jersey to Florida. So it's been really hard because um, constantly I was, as you know, hopefully that 
my parents are not uh, Christian, and they don't support anything of Christ. So uh, on the move, we've constantly moved from hotel to hotel, meaning that we didn't ha- I didn't have my personal space to spend time with God. But even through a whole month of constantly being on the move from hotel to hotel, God's kept me like still hungering for him, even through the hardest times of my life. And sorry, I'm out of breath. I, I moved a few steps. I guess I didn't warm up or anything. Uh, but yeah, even through the hardest things in my life, he's always kept me still focusing on him. And even when I don't want to do it myself, I remember like the past I used to have and how um, it, even though I, even if I don't want to move, I know that in my past, I, I didn't stay up all night praying for no reason. I didn't read the Bible for hours for no reason because I knew something was real in Christ. And even at a young age, um, I, I found that Christ is the only uh, one worth living for and not myself. Because I fail myself constantly, but God's never failed me. Even when I want to leave him, even when I want to drop everything, he's kept me focused on him. Amen. I give God glory for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Testifying of what God can do. <clears throat> um, 